and God is with us. What a lovely thought as we just look at the word of God this morning. God is with us. And this morning I thought we would just look at drawing near to God because God longs that we draw near. Amen. It's all about Jesus. We've heard that this morning. It's all about him. And there's a promise in God's word, draw near to me. Draw near and I will draw near to you. And God, he longs that we, we draw near to him. Praise the Lord. Holy Spirit, just come amongst us. Amen. Let's just open our hearts to him right now. Amen. Praise God. I don't know if you ever heard about the little story about Leroy. Leroy, he came to his parents and he asked for a bicycle. His mom and dad said, Leroy, it's not your birthday, it's not Christmas. You haven't been such a good boy. We suggest that you go and ask Jesus for one and let him know how you've been. So he goes to his bedroom and he writes the following letter. Dear Jesus, I've been a good boy this year. Could I have a bicycle, please? Your friend, Leroy. Well, he knew that was not entirely true, so he tore up the letter, started over again. Dear Jesus, I've been an okay boy (laughs) this year. Could I have a bicycle, please? Leroy. And after a few thoughts, he thought, well, that's not true either. So he tore up the letter and he wandered outside and wandered out into his community, just thinking about his behavior. And he ended up inside a Catholic church. He didn't know exactly what to do. He stayed there for a moment. And on his way out, he grabs a little statue, goes home, hides it it underneath his bed, and writes the following note. Dear Jesus, I've got your mum. If you ever want to see her again, give me a bike. Now, we might laugh at that. But you know, Sometimes I think in our Christian experience, we too think that we can manipulate God. All we have to do is say the right things, make the right declarations, make the right prayers, have a period of fasting, do all that's ticking all the box, and then, God, give me what I want. Isn't that true? And God does not desire our religion. God desires relationship. Relationship that we draw near to him. You see, religion is man's way of trying to reach God, of of trying to find peace with God, trying to find God. But we know that Christianity is totally the reverse to that. It is God coming to us. 
And God came to us. And thank God last uh, Sunday we were celebrating Easter. And you're right, Ron. We should be celebrating Easter all the time. In fact, this is the Orthodox Easter, so we're uh, Sunday. So we're in good stead because we do celebrate Easter because God came. And not only did God come, but God died and God rose again that we might have life and life eternal. And one thing that God longs for is heartfelt relationship. Not our religious activities. And whilst I'm not saying we don't pray, of course we pray. I'm not saying we don't fast. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we don't confess. We do confess. But God forbid we go down that road to think that we can manipulate God. God Gimme, gimme, gimme. My name's Jimmy. Help me. Sometimes we have a form of godliness, but there's no power. And God longs, he longs for intimacy. And that's my challenge this morning. How intimate are we with God? What is your relationship with God like? Do you want more of God in your life? Do you know him? Is God first? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these shall be added unto you. Before the death of Jesus... Uh, G- uh, Peter, he was bold. He, he said, Lord, I will never leave you. No matter what happens, I'll always be at your side. You can rely on me, Lord. I'm going to be there with you. We all know the story. We all know what happened. He did deny the Lord three times. In Luke 22, we see that a, a different Peter Because we read that Peter walked afar off. He followed at a distance. And here was the first step to him backsliding and making that step of denial in that he walked afar off. And God forbid that we walk afar off, that we are Distant in our relationship with God. Yes, we will do certain things, but there's no intimacy. There's no moving of His Spirit in my heart, bringing joy and peace and the reality of His love and hope. Don't grow cold in your relationship with God. Don't, don't follow Christ afar off. It was Jesus who said, quoting Isaiah, he said, These people, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And my prayer today for me personally, and I hope it's your prayer 
Because every time I come into God's presence, I'm saying, God, renew me. Revive me. Revive me again in the midst of years. Don't let my heart go cold with religion. Don't let me manipulate you, O God. But let me know a renewal of my heart and mind being filled with your spirit. O God, let me draw near. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you I hope that will be our action after we conclude today in our time of worship in the proclamation of his word I pray that we will have a hunger and a thirst in our lives amen to draw near to him Praise God. Draw near to God. We see a basis for drawing near in Hebrews. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a full heart of assurance of faith. I'm asking you this morning. How desperate are you to come into this new and living way. And to know the presence of God. Are you content with just a little of God? Just enough to give you peace that you have eternal life. Just enough to know that your sins are forgiven and you're going to heaven. But not enough to take up your cross and follow him. Not desperate enough to thirst and to hunger after God. It was the psalmist who who said, Oh God, my God, I long for you, I thirst for you in a dry and thirsty land. I long for you. That was desperation. Desperation. But how obedient are we in our walk of faith to make him the center of our will, How desperate are we to come and to know God? You will note that the basis of drawing near to God is by a new and living way. And in James, he he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. God places the first responsibility on us to draw near to him. And he promises, I will draw near to you. Actually, God did take the first step. Amen. He took that first step of responsibility on us. When Jesus stepped out of heaven onto this earth. He made the first step. Amen. 
He lived, he died, he rose again so that we could draw nearer. And you are as close to God as you want to be. So how desperate are you? How desperate are you? Note the writer to the Hebrews says, it's a new and living way. And we come by the blood of Jesus. Thank God for his death that provided reconciliation for us that we might have peace with God. Amen. And thank God, as, the, as Paul said to the Ephesians, he said, he himself is our peace. Amen. We don't have a form of religion. We're, we're not in, in fear, wondering. We have assurance that God is our peace. He has come and made peace with us. And that's why Paul could say, but now in Christ Jesus. You who once were afar off, we who once were distant, we have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So thank God it was he that, that took the initiative to provide in his mercy and salvation this new and living way. Last week we were celebrating the death and the resurrection of Christ. And we know from the Gospels on the sixth hour there was darkness that came upon the land. And on the ninth hour we read that Christ, he, he cried out with a great cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God distant himself. And there, in that moment, when Christ had intimacy with the Father uh, all his life from all eternity, think of, of the separation, the pain, the anguish to be separated and distant from God the Father. And that's why he cried out as he faced hell, as he took up the cup of suffering. At that moment, he was isolated because he took our sin, he took our punishment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we read again, he cried with a loud voice, and he yielded up his spirit. And we read, we read that the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were risen. Amen. What a scene. When darkness came, he cried out. He yielded. He gave up the ghost. And the veil of the temple, note, not from bottom, but from top to bottom was torn. Amen. Because God was in the process of creating a new and living way whereby we could come to God, amen. We could come to him. And therefore we can come with confidence. We can come because we have a high priest. We can come with the assurance of faith because Jesus is our peace. We no longer live in condemnation. 
We are forgiven. We are accepted. Amen. We can cry this morning. Cry with great faith and assurance. Abba. Abba. Father. Because we have received the spirit of adoption. God is our Father. Amen. So how do you draw near? Well, here's a few points of of drawing near. Draw near with a clean heart. The writer to the Hebrews, he says, let us draw, draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. In full assurance. We don't come with uncertainty. We know that we are now the children of God. Amen. We know that we are sons and daughters of the living king. Amen. We know we can now enjoy intimacy with our God, Yahweh. Eh? Praise God. Because he has provided a new and living way. And we draw near, thank God, with a confident heart. We, with a clean heart. A confident heart. We hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he promised, he who promised is faithful. Hold fast. And maybe this morning you're just wondering in your relationship with God. And, and you're trying maybe a little bit of religion. You're hoping that if you do certain things, God will come to you. No, 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 no. Stop trying. Just let God come to you and strengthen your grip on the promise of God. Because God is faithful. You are forgiven. You are cleansed, praise God. You can now have a confession of of faith, a hope that's not wavering, strengthen your grip. Your former pastor will know, because he plays a little golf, I'm told, how important it is to have a good grip and a strong grip. And hopefully tomorrow, if this coal of mine disappears, and it will take a lot to stop me playing golf tomorrow, that's for sure. But um, it's important that you have a good grip and a strong grip. If you don't have a good grip, that ball can go left, it can go right. There's no certainty on the direction of that ball. And same with our Christian faith. We need a strong grip, a good grip on the assurance, on the hope, on the word, amen, that we have before us. Because we can draw near not only with a clean heart, but we can draw near with a confident heart. Amen. It was, again, it was Paul who said, I believe it was Paul who was the writer. He may not have been to the Hebrews. He said, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy And what? And find grace in time of need. How do we come? We come boldly. We come with confidence. Where do we come to? We come to a throne of grace. God is merciful. God is gracious. God is all loving. Amen. And we can come boldly to a throne of grace. Why do we come? 
that we may obtain mercy and find grace. I don't know about you, but I need mercy and I need grace day by day in my life. Each morning when I wake up, I need more grace and more mercy. Amen. In good times, in bad times, I still need God. That's why I come. And when do I come? In time of need. So let us draw near to God with a clean heart, with a confident heart. And let us draw near to God with a consecrated heart. And here we come to, to James, because James is bold. Sometimes, sometimes from the pulpit today, we, we only want to hear nice sermons, sermons that will tickle our ears and make it all comfortable and all nice. We don't want to be challenged anymore. Well, I'm sorry, but James was one of those pastors. He told it as it was. He said, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And here's where he makes it a little bit rough and uncomfortable. He says, cleanse you, your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you, you double-minded. And he goes a little bit further in the next verse, but we'll stop there. We'll stop there. If we're going to be strong, we need truth, amen. If we're going to, if we're going to be steadfast and not waver, we need the truth of God's word. And the challenge is we need to understand that we submit our hearts to him and our hearts are consecrated to him. That we thirst after the living God, amen. That we thirst after him. That is our desire, drawing near to him, submitting to him. You see, our, our relationship with God, it's not a hobby. Now, I've got a hobby, you've heard me say, golf, I enjoy it. But my relationship with God is not a hobby. I can't turn him on and off just when I please. It is about a life of submission. A life of putting God first in all things, in my finances, in my attitude, in my behavior, in, in everything God is first. Amen. In James, we, we have a promise, a provine promise, that when we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. And understand this morning that you can draw near because the door of God's heart is always open to you. His presence is always available because God says to you this morning, even in your loneliness, maybe in your, your affliction and suffering, you think, God, where are you? And God says to you, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. God is his presence is always there. So we need to understand we can draw near. Remember Jesus he suffered. He took our condemnation so that we could come into this new and living way with God ensuring that God would never turn away from us again. And to draw near to God 
is simply to open our hearts to what is available. God has made provision. All we have to do is to thirst and to desire him, to love him, to delight ourselves in him. When you analyze the book of James where we find this promise, you see that the book of James is about a book of faith. Faith about holding on to the promises of God. And if we are to hold on to God's promises and strengthen our grip on God without manipulating him, we must walk by faith and not by sight. In chapter 1, we see that faith is expressed in my response to my circumstances. And James says, count it all joy uh, when, when there are circumstances that seem not to be going your way. Count it all joy when, when these trials come. Why? Because faith will help you through the situation that you're facing. And then in chapter 2, faith is described as a lifestyle. Because faith without works is dead. And so there needs to be action. Action. And then he goes on to describe faith being manifested in my speech and how I control my tongue. Small little matter. But faith is essential in how I control my tongue. And then in the next chapters, we see that faith is manifested in my relationship and how I live with those around me. But after describing faith, James speaks of three enemies. He speaks about the enemy that lies within us. And he speaks about the world that is around us. And then he speaks about the devil that prowls toward us. But this morning as we look and examine how we draw near, I want us to draw our attention to the conflict that lies within us, hindering us in our walk with God, hindering us in thirsting after God, hindering us in drawing close to God. And here in chapter 4, James, he describes the source of the conflict that lies within us is the desire that is within us. He said, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from the desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And you do not ask because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. And so he describes something of the war, the conflict that is within us. And the source of that conflict is our desire. So I ask you again this morning, do you desire him? Simple. Do you desire him above all other things? The Bible says, delight yourself 
in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The problem is when we don't delight in God, our desires will not line up with God. And if we are not drawing near, our desires will lead to conflict. Conflict not only from within me in terms of my emotions and how I feel, but it will lead to conflict with others and our relationship with God himself. It eventually leads to life of selfishness and self-centeredness, whereby the main purpose in life, it's all about me. I'm sure you've seen that by great stars, not just great stars, by the way, where it's all about me, me, me. Not about the kingdom, not about God, but about me. So if your desire doesn't line up with God, then you have a problem. You have a conflict. So don't be consumed by the desires of the flesh, the pleasures of this life, exalting the God of materialism. When your number one desire ought to be seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, Pastor Rana didn't give me a time. And I could say I'm coming to a conclusion. But it could be an Irish conclusion. But I can see you do have a clock. And, but as we draw close to an end, I want us to look at things that hinder us from drawing near. You see, the Pharisees had a form of religion. But they didn't have a heartfelt relationship with God. They put up barriers to prevent other people from drawing close to God. And that's why Jesus, quoting Isaiah to them, he said, These people, they honor me with their, with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in the temple itself, we know that they put up barriers so that there couldn't be intimacy with God. There was barriers for ladies. You ladies had it. You weren't allowed near. There was a special place for you. Gentiles, you were out. Just like the ladies. So they put up signs. Forbidden. No entry. A.W. Tozer in his book. Uh, Pursuit after God. Describes two veils. The first veil. Is the veil between the holy of holies. And the world. And we read in the gospels. That veil was torn Listen from top to bottom. Amen. Why? Because man did not instigate it. Man did not start it. God, from top to bottom, tore that veil. And by the way, it wasn't a small uh, curtain. It was a thick, thick curtain. God was in the midst of doing a new thing. By the death of Jesus, signifying 
the availability of his presence to all of us, Jew, Gentile, and all nations. Amen. But the second veil that Tozer talks about is the veil of our hearts. And that is our decision to tear down by God's grace that veil. So as I challenge you this morning, what's hindering you in your relationship with God? In drawing near, in thirsting after him. I've numbered a number of things. There could be the veil of religion, just having a form of godliness but no power, no great relationship. We know the Pharisees had this. This people, they draw near with me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And then there is the veil of unconfessed sin. Thank God my sin is forgiven. Amen. Uh, Thank God that because of what Jesus has done for me, I am accepted. I am a child of God. But that does not mean that I go on sinning. Amen. That does not mean that I have a license to be disobedient. That does not mean that, well, grace will always abide. It doesn't really matter. It does matter. Because when God does a work of grace in my heart, it will give me an appetite to honor God and to love God and to serve God. Amen. Not the opposite. So if you think that you can, you can have a relationship with God and just carry on uh, uh, habitually uh, sinning, uh, then you are creating a veil. Because that iniquity is hindering your relationship uh, with God Almighty. I thank God my sins are forgiven. Amen. But I cannot abuse that. I cannot abuse that. But thank God for the promise that when we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. Amen. So don't let the enemy keep you snared and captive to to unconfessed sin. You confess it knowing God's forgiveness, knowing indeed that God is on your side. And then we have the veil of unforgiveness. I've been pastoring since I've been 22, probably 43, 44 years now. I know I don't look that old, but I can assure you, I feel it today with this cold. But the one thing that has hindered people in their relationship with God that I have seen over and over, and it has shipwrecked their destiny and their faith, is unforgiveness. Someone has said something. Someone has done something. Someone has caused offense. And as a result, I don't forgive. And because of my unforgiveness, I have created a veil in my heart to, to know intimacy with God. You know that the enemy cannot touch me. Hallelujah. That's what the Bible says. I'm protected. The enemy cannot touch me. However, however, I can give jurisdiction to the enemy 
because of my anger and my unforgiveness. How do I know that? Well, turn to, to, Hebrew, uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Give no place to the devil. It's in the context of, of forgiveness and, and releasing grace. And I can give jurisdiction. I can give the enemy room in my life by not forgiving. And maybe I'm speaking to one this morning and maybe someone's done something to you. And you've held on to that. And you say, well, I'll never forgive. Don't, don't ever go down that road. Because God says, if you can't forgive, how can I forgive you then? That's serious. The one thing I've seen that has sidetracked people on forgiveness. It's held them in bondage. It's held them captive to the enemy. God forbid. God forbid. And then we have the veil of idols. An idol is something that brings you more pleasure. And here, James, he talks about pleasure. More pleasure than your relationship with God. Now, I, I wasn't always a Christian, just like Pastor Rana and, uh, and, and Becky. And we, we all know Rana's amazing testimony, how God saved him. But he, he, he had an addiction. I had an addiction. It wasn't as severe, maybe. You didn't always see it, but my addiction was golf. Yes. Can you get addicted to a sport? Yes. And you said to me that I will never give this game up. Never, ever, ever. Well, because I was addicted to it. I would have played maybe 12 hours a day. I was thinking of professional golf. I was addicted to it. I loved it. The one thing it did do for me, it kept me away from the troubles. When my cousins around Belfast were getting into trouble, I was always on the golf course. But when Jesus came, <laughs> when Jesus came, boy, he changed my desire. That I gave golf up? No, I still played. But I went to the prayer meeting. I went to the Bible study. I went out evangelizing. Praise God. It was no longer an addiction. And there was a time for about 12 years, I did give it up because of Bible college and ministry the early days. But that pleasure was an idol. And maybe, maybe, maybe you have some idol in your life. It might not be drink, it may not be drugs, but it could be something else. It could even be sport. Something that brings more pleasure to you than God. That's an idol. And that idol creates a veil whereby you cannot draw near to God. And then we have the veil of apathy and indifference. I love the Song of Songs. The, the Bible is amazing. Well, it's a living book, amen. It's a living book. But I love the Song of Songs. It's a love story, Solomon and, and his lover. But the, the analogy there is of Christ and the church. It's very explicit. But the Bible is so true and so loving. I want us just to finish with this this morning. It's fine in the Song of Songs, chapter 5. She says, I slept and my heart was awake. I heard my lover knocking and calling. Open to me, my treasure, my darling, my love, my perfect one. 
those of you who struggle at Valentine's to get the right verse, roses are red, I suggest that you read Song of Songs. Huh? My heart is dripped, are drenched in dew, my hair with the darkness of the night. But I responded. Here's the response. I have taken off my robe. Should I get dressed again? I have washed my feet. Should I get them dirty again? That was the response. One of indifference. One of complacency. Yes, there was a longing, but not for action. Finally, she did. We read, my lover tried to unlatch the door and my heart, it thrilled within me. I jumped, I jumped, yes. She realized. She jumped to go to open the door for my love, but my hands, it dripped with perfume. My fingers dripped with loving mire and I pulled back the bolt. I opened to my lover, but he was gone. My heart sank. I searched for him, but could not find him anywhere. I called to him, but there was no reply. What a story. Many draw the analogy of Christ in the church. And God forbid that we be asleep and we don't respond right away to the lover of our souls. Because Jesus is the lover of our souls. Amen. All of us, all of us in this meeting this morning, we can shield our beliefs about our identity, about our possessions, even our relationship from the abiding presence of Jesus and live apart from intimacy with him. God desires intimacy. We all have the ability to do religion. We all have the ability to do our own things. And just like the story of Leroy, we all have the ability to try and manipulate God Almighty. But my prayer is this morning is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Amen. That is my prayer today. And you know what God says to you, to you today? He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And maybe I'm speaking to one here this morning or maybe one watching online. And you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. I pray that you'd open your life's door. I pray that you come to that place of faith and repentance. And say, Lord, I come to you. Lord, I give my life to you. Forgive me of my sin. Lord, I want to know you more. I want to know your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. And Jesus says this. He said, behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. I'm knocking. I'm the lover standing, knocking. I want to come in. If anyone hears my voice and what? Opens the door. Listen to what Jesus said. I will come in to him 
and dine with him and sup with him and have relationship with him and have intimacy with him and he with me. Amen. That is what God longs for. And so as we conclude this morning, let's just close our eyes and just bow our heads. I'm asking the Spirit of God, for those of you maybe watching online, maybe you too come into that place of prayer, into that place of, of intimacy. God is not angry with you veiling your heart. He knows why you are not fully letting him in. And I pray that you'd search your prayer with me today. God, revive me in the midst of years. God, Spirit of the living God, search me and know my heart. I've spoken today on many veils. I'm not asking you to come up to the front. But if there is something in your life that, God, get rid of that. Help me to draw near to God. Just you respond to God in your way. You might want to raise your hand and surrender him, and surrender to him. You do that right now. If you don't know the Lord, just surrender your life to him and make this simple prayer. God, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. Come into my life. Take away my brokenness and my sin as I receive the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. Help me, I pray. And maybe I'm speaking to you as a believer. And maybe, maybe there is unconfessed sin. Maybe there is the veil of unforgiveness. And it has hindered your walk, not just for months, but for years. And God says to you, come. I'm standing at the door. I'm knocking. Open to me and know my peace. Know my grace. Know my strength. In all that you have suffered, know that I am a living God. And so, Father, I I pray for your church today. I pray for God, your people here at Harlow, asking, oh God, that the kingdom of God be established in our hearts and in our minds. Praying, oh God, that we will not veil our hearts because you, you have created a way for us. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.